morning, my name is Greg Taylor. <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, my name is Samuel Green, and I am the worship and formation pastor here at FCC. Uh, for those of you who don't know me, if you are a first-time guest, um, or second or third time for that matter, and you've never been to the Welcome Center, would love for you to go there. We're so glad you're here. We have a gift um, for you. There's a mug and some other stuff in it, um, and some stuff for your kids as well, if you have kids. Well, we have been in, in um, a series of acts for the last uh, month or so, and last week Greg preached on India, and this week uh, we are continuing to not be in Acts. Uh, so we're actually going to be in John 15 this morning. So those of you who have Bibles, go and open up. We're going to be in John 15, um, verses 1 through 12. Um, all right. So one of the things that happened when I was talking to Greg about what we were going to preach on, um, he challenged me to find a topic that would fit with um, the survey results that we have collected. For those of you who weren't there or don't remember, we took a survey back in February as a congregation, a spiritual growth survey, just kind of a snapshot of where we're at. Um, and so he challenged me to find a, uh, something to go along with that and that I would incorporate some of the survey results. So um, throughout the course of this message, um, there'll be some of that being thrown in and just some snapshots that hopefully emphasize some things. Um, and whether or not you were there and took it, hopefully it will still help us to uh, wrestle with some of the stuff in the text today. Um, so John 15, um, this is one of the last discourses that we see in the Gospel of John. Um, this is Jesus with his disciples, his closest friends, his closest followers, um, would have been the same people who he's uh, with uh, in the upper room uh, for the Last Supper. Uh, and so it's this whole um, section is focused on those who are close to Jesus, who are disciples of Jesus, and who want to be disciples of Jesus. So for those of us who claim Jesus as our Lord and Savior, for those of us who have been baptized, for those of us who are believers, this is for us. And if, if you're someone who's just curious or seeking or hasn't made that commitment, then I would just encourage you to humbly um, just listen to the wisdom and the, the life that can come from Jesus. But for the rest of us, we need to take this very seriously. And um, to be honest, this has actually been one of the, uh, this has been the hardest sermon for me to prepare that I've ever uh, preached before. And really it's because this passage has hit me where it hurts. And it's been a long week wrestling with this, this text. And it's not because it's anything too crazy. It's actually very simple, um, but it's very hard. So it, uh, I'm going to read this and then we'll, we'll dive in and hopefully... Um, it can hit all of us hard this morning. Starting in verse 1. This is Jesus talking. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine grower. He removes every branch in me that bears no fruit. Every branch that bears fruit he prunes to make it bear more fruit. You have already been cleansed by the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me as I abide in you. Just as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the, van, uh, the vine and you are the branches. Those who abide in me and I in them bear much fruit because apart from me you can do nothing. Whoever does not abide in me is thrown away like a branch and withers. Such branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. 
If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask for whatever you wish and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit and become my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. I have said these things so you, uh, to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be made complete. Now, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Uh, let's pray together this morning. Lord, we come to you uh, this, this new day, this new morning, this rainy morning, and we thank you for another day of life. We thank you for the ability to worship you freely gathered as your people. We um, pray that you would be with us in this time. Jesus, we pray that, that you would reveal to us um, your power and um, the life that you offer us. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would be moving in our hearts and minds, convicting us and giving us passion that we might leave this place and actually have changed a little bit to look a little bit more like you and be motivated to live our lives more like you. Pray that we would just wrestle with this text together. Pray that anything that's from you would take root in our hearts and anything that's not would fall to the ground. We love you and we pray all this in your name. Amen. All right, so three, uh, three big things I want to talk about as in, in pertain to this, the context of this, this passage. And then we're going to get to three um, kind of action points later on in the message. So the first big one is found in, in the first verse. Uh, Jesus is the vine and the source of all life. Jesus is the true vine and the source of all life. There are... Uh, Three familiar trees in the Mediterranean world, um, and those trees were the olive, the fig, and the vine. Not surprisingly, when we read throughout the Old Testament, these three trees um, became metaphors for Israel, the nation of Israel, God's chosen people. And so when we read in the Old Testament and even sometimes in the New, the, the terms vine and vi vineyard are charged terms for the Jewish people. They would have understood the vine to be, this is our nation, this is the symbol of our nation. And so the, the, those terms are used interchangeably to, to depict the people of God. And Israel is God's vineyard. In fact, in Psalm 80, we see that God planted the vineyard that is Israel in the land that, that he might see it grow and prosper and uh, throughout the promised land. And that ultimately the goal was that Israel would bear fruit, bear his fruit, that they would reflect his love and image to the world. But then we see in Isaiah 5, and Jeremiah too, and some other places that Israel failed at this vocation. They failed to be fruitful vines, a fruitful vineyard where God planted them. In Jeremiah 2.21, we see um, God saying this, I planted you as a choice vine from the purest stock. How then did you turn degenerate and become a wild vine? So we see this pattern, and this is all throughout the Old Testament of Israel coming to be faithful with God and then moving to unfaithfulness and then coming back to be faithful and moving to unfaithfulness. And ultimately, um, all throughout the Old Testament, it ends kind of with this, Israel is unfaithful. They failed their mission to reflect God to the world. 
And so when Jesus is saying that he's the true vine, that he is saying that he was the fulfillment of what Israel was supposed to be. And this would not have been lost on his disciples. That everything that God desired for Israel is embodied in Christ, in Jesus, in the vine, that the life that comes from Jesus, the life that comes from the vine, the true vine. And that we get our life from this true vine. Second thing, we bear the fruit of the vine by abiding in Jesus. We bear the fruit of the vine by abiding in Jesus. We read in verse 8, that my Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit and become my disciples. The goal of abiding in the vine, remaining in the vine, is to bear much fruit. And we, like I said, that was Israel's calling to bear fruit in the land, and they failed. And that is also our goal, to bear fruit, to glorify God as followers and disciples of Jesus. But what does it mean to abide? Well, to, to abide in something or uh, with something means to wholly surrender and complete and continued dependence to another in relationship. To wholly surrender in complete and continued dependence to another in relationship. Another way um, to put it is to fully rely on God. I have this mug that I grew up with. I wanted to be a herpetologist when I was a kid which for those of you who don't know what that is, that is uh, the study of reptiles. And so I love reptiles. You, my, my parents, my family's here, and I catch reptiles, and frogs are amphibians. But this, um, this cup has frogs all over it, and it was my favorite cup growing up. And uh, it has F-O-F-R-O-G, and on the back it says fully rely on God. So it was God and frogs, two best things in the world for a kid. Um, but that's what abiding is. It's the, to be fully relying on God, to depend on him for everything, for our source of life, not just our spiritual life, but our physical, our emotional, our mental, social lives, that, that everything we do is found in Jesus, in the vine. He is the source of all those things. And so abiding is, is the idea of being in constant relationship, like that of a, a close husband and a wife or, or that of close friends, that the better you get to know someone, the more you take on their traits and their attributes, you start talking like them. You start sharing a character. And how much more so is that the case when we are abiding with the Lord, the Lord Jesus, who is perfect and loving and gracious. Another way other, other translations put it is to, to remain in the vine, to remain in God's love. And I like this term because it, it gives the idea of perseverance. It gives the idea of consistency, of faithfulness, of endurance, that we are remaining. It is an ongoing, continual process of remaining with the vine, of remaining with Christ. The Apostle Paul, um, both in Galatians and Philippians, has kind of a snapshot of this. He's not talking specifically about abiding in the vine, but these very... Um, popular verses kind of give us a little bit of a, a look of what the kind of idea of what it looks like to abide. Galatians 2.20, it is no longer I that lives, but Christ who lives in me. Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. 
And it's the idea that in Christ, we have everything we need. It's not our life, it's his life. It's not our strength, it's his strength. And that is what abiding in the vine is. We get our everything from the vine. And the primary way to remain in Jesus' love, to abide in his love, is, is through obedience. And it's not a legalistic obedience where we're trying to do all these things and do it in the right way to earn his love, but it's an obedience that's reflective of my commitment to my wife, that I love her, I serve her, no matter what, because of the commitment I made to her, because I love her. And so it's a life of faithfulness and obedience towards another. And that brings us to the third big thing. The Father, who is the gardener, keeps and maintains the vine and the branches. And we see in John 15, the first two verses, I am the true vine, my Father is the vine grower. He removes every branch in me that bears no fruit, and every branch that bears fruit he prunes to make it bear more fruit. So God is both the planter and the cultivator of the vine. Uh, different versions say different things. Um, this version says vine grower. Other versions say vine dresser. I've used the term gardener. I like gardener the best because in the Midwest we're not dressing a bunch of vines or growing vines. At least I'm not. I don't know about you guys. Um, but he's the gardener. He takes care. He cultivates these vines. These, the branches in the vine, which is us. And the, the Greek word for, for, for prune is also the same word as clean. So it's the idea of purifying these, these vines, these branches that are, that are us. So the reality of this passage is, is that the fruit we bear is the indicator of health and life in the vine of Christ. We can throw the pictures up on the screen. On, on your left are healthy vines. They've been pruned and cut by, actually it's been done by a machine and humans would later go and, and do some extra stuff. But on the right, unpruned and uncut vines who are overgrown. And so we see the difference between grapevines that have been taken care of and grapevines that are out of control. And the reality is that the vine dresser, the gardener, wields the pruning knife against both the fruitful and the unfruitful branches but to different ends with different purposes. And this is where we really get to the heart of this morning, which is really thinking through where we're at in our individual walks, our individual faith with Jesus. And the first thing is the idea of cutting off unfruitful branches. Verse 2, he removes every branch in me that bears no fruit. This is the role of, of God our Father, of removing the branches in us that bear no fruit. And Jesus left no place among his disciples for fruitless followers in this passage. Either you bear fruit and you abide in me or you don't. John 15, verse 6, whoever does not abide in me is thrown away like a branch and withers. Such branches are gathered, thrown into a fire, and burned. And this is exactly what would have happened in, in that day. The, the branches that were not fruitful, they would cut them, and they would use them for fuel because there's firewood, but there's not a ton of firewood in Palestine, and so they would use it. 
and those, those branches that weren't bearing fruit would, would be destroyed. Ezekiel talks about this in chapter 15. A vine branch that does not produce grapes is only good for fuel. And so I ask us, are we, are we bearing fruit? And what de- dead branches do we bear in our lives? What dead branches do we bear in our lives? We all have things in our lives that we know shouldn't be there, that are hurtful, that are sinful, and that there are dying or dead branches, and at the end of the day, they will lead to the death of us as a branch if we don't confess and confront and push back and abide in the vine. So we're going to come to our first reflection moment this morning. So we're going to do the next couple points are going to be a little bit different than normal. We're going to take some time. We're actually going to pray and reflect on what God might be telling us in our lives. So this, this first one, he removes every branch from me that bears no fruit. So what dead or dying branches need to be cut off in your life? What sins, what unhealthy habits, what destructive behaviors do you need help cutting off? And the reality is, at some point, the consequences of those sins will catch up to you and those branches will bear bad fruit in your life, and God will cut them off. But luckily, God is gracious and he's merciful. And so we have the chance right now to identify these things, the unhealthy branches, the dying branches and the dead branches in our lives. So for the next two to three minutes, I want you to pray and reflect. You guys can grab your your bulletins, maybe write out some of the things in your life. Reflect on what are the things God is calling me to let go of? What are the things that I need to cut out of my life because they only lead to destruction of my spiritual walk and, the, and my life in general and the spiritual walks and lives of others? So take that, that time now uh, to reflect and pray on that.
as we uh, move on from this moment, the next area I want us to wrestle through is the idea of pruning. Pruning the vine. Every branch that bears fruit he prunes to make it bear more fruit. And that is the nature of pruning that God takes our fruit-bearing branches and sometimes takes them away or asks us to surrender those branches for the sake of future growth. And if the vine is weak, he prunes it even more, leaving less fruit, so that the next year it will be stronger and there will be even more grapes. Otherwise, the vine will become overgrown and suffocated that over the course of time, it will stop bearing any fruit at all and then eventually it will die. And so pruning is essential to have any kind of harvest. In fact, uh, one article I read said, expect to remove 70 to 90% of the previous year's growth, fruit bearing branches each winter. 70 to 90%. That is the way that we cut back and make room for the fruit and the growth that comes. Structure is also key, the way you set up the vine. There are different ways to do this, but at the core of it all, it's the idea of making space. And so we see that we remove the good to make space for even something even better. And that's what God does in our lives, and that's what he wants to do in our lives. And so for the second moment of reflection, which branches does God want to prune in your life? What are some good things in your life that God may be calling you to give up or say no to in this season? in order for more growth in your lives, the lives of others in the kingdom of God. We can throw up the, one of the survey slides. It just talks about back in February, what, what are the things that most negatively affect your involvement at FCC? And FCC is just a part of your spiritual life. It's part of your spiritual walk. And some of these, some of these aren't even um, things that you can control, but these are the things that get in the way that take up space in our lives. Again, some of them you can't control. These are just some, some of the ideas. Sports is up there. Vacation. And I wonder how much of these things that we have at least partial control over, that we choose not to exhibit the control over it, that we choose not to hand it over to God, and so we can go back to the reflection slide. What are the things that God wants to have you surrender to him in this season of life? The good things to make space for better things in your life, in the lives of those you love, in the lives of the kingdom, life of the kingdom of God, the fruit of the kingdom. So take the next couple minutes, pray and reflect on what those things might be.
Abide in me as I abide in you. Just as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. And now we, so we've talked about the things we need to let go because we know they're bad, that we need to cut them out of our lives, that we need to surrender those to God, that he might remove them. And we've talked about the things that are good in our lives that we may be called to lay down for a season or two. That leads us to what do we do with all this room and space in our lives? We abide in the vine. And so through all of this, what are you going to do to abide in the vine? I've got some examples, and these are no, by no means meant to be things you have to do, but these are just some ideas. And again, I'm going to be drawing from the survey. We can throw up the first slide. These are the spiritual disciplines, the spiritual practices that our congregation most regularly engages in. We see worship, scripture reading, and prayer as the highest, which is really encouraging. But then we have fasting and simplicity and confession of others that are incredibly low and a few in between. And even if you didn't take this survey, this list of, of things that you could engage in in your individual walks, with your time with Jesus as well as with others, this is an example of, of these practices. And They don't do anything in and of themselves, but their channels, their means of grace, that they, God uses them to transform us. So maybe you need to look at some of these. The next slide has the most challenging for our congregation. We see fasting and confession of others up there, but also surprisingly scripture reading. So again, we just see that it's not easy to abide in the vine. The next slide is more of a corporate kind of activity. Here at FCC, 50% of those who took the survey out of the 400 rarely attend church activities outside of Sunday morning, almost 75% once a month or less. That's almost 300 people who only come to FCC activities once a month or less. And I'm not trying to condemn anyone. That's not what I'm trying to do. I want to offer an opportunity. And the reason why this matters, you might be asking, why, why does this really matter? Well, this particular statistic was the most powerfully correlated statistic of all of them. That if you engage in activities outside of Sunday morning, you are more likely to be mature in your faith, to be engaging in more abiding activities, to be investing in others and the world. And that's just a in a nutshell. And that looks like bearing fruit to me. And I'm not saying if you don't attend things outside of Sunday morning, you're not bearing fruit. Don't hear me say it at all. I'm just saying if you want to look for opportunities, if you want ways to get involved, maybe this might be a step towards life in the vine. After all, the body of Christ is kind of like the vine of Christ. We are his body. We are his branches in the vine. And there's even more. There's, here's some more ideas from the survey that could be seen as discouraging, but I see them as, as an opportunity for us to engage 
in the vine, the life of the body and the life of Jesus. Two-thirds of people are not in accountable relationships or being mentored. So maybe you need to reach out and start to walk with someone. Maybe if you are in an accountable relationship, you need to reach out to someone you know who doesn't have one. 69% were not in a small group of any kind. 63% didn't attend Bible school, Sunday school. 55% were not serving. And 15% of those weren't even interested in serving. And these could be depressing statistics, but again, I see them as an opportunity of all the, the life that we're missing, the life that you may feel this void inside you, that you're, you're missing something deeper and greater. And these aren't going to fix your life, but maybe they're a step in the right direction. That engaging with other believers, other healthy vines who have been there, done that. And so we come to our last reflection moment. What are the branches that need to be grown or grafted into your life in order that you bear more fruit? What new practices, disciplines, relationships, activities do you need to incorporate into your life? If you truly cut off or begin the process of cutting off the unfruitful things, if you are truly willing to submit the certain good areas of your life to the Lord, then what do you fill with that? And that's what this reflection moment is all about. What do you need to say yes to? So take the next few minutes, pray and reflect on that. So where does that leave us? I want to end with 
the way that Jesus ends this, uh, this section. In verse 11, he says this, I have said these things to you so that my joy, Jesus' joy may be in us, and that our joy may be made complete. So at the end of the day, all of these things, getting rid of the bad, pruning the good, being willing to submit and, and bring new things in our life, they, they bring us joy. And not just any kind of joy, the joy that comes from our Lord Jesus Christ, the joy that makes us complete, that there's a, a peace that surpasses all understanding, that the grace of God enters into our lives and transforms us so that in, in every circumstance we can have joy in the Lord. That His strength is our strength. His life is our life. And that's what it means to live in the vine, the true vine that is Jesus Christ. And so my prayer for us this morning is that we would strive to live in that vine as his people together, no matter what comes, no matter how hard it is, no matter what sacrifices we need to make, we would truly abide in the true vine that is Jesus. Jesus, we love you so much, and we are so grateful for the life that you offer us. We are thankful for, for your generosity that cannot be matched. You have no rival. You have no equal. All things are made for you and through you, and for some reason you want us and invite us into a relationship with you. So Lord, take over our hearts, spirit move in our lives that we might thirst and hunger for you and that we might pursue you and that you would give us the strength to let go of the things that are hindering the vine and the branches from bearing fruit. May we abide in you, trust in you, remain in you all the days of our life. We pray all these things in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen.